Hey, all you holistic hipsters out there, it's that time. So grab your chalice of choice and sit back and sip along with us. We would love to welcome you to the Tea Podcast, where we spill the tea on all things holistic in the pet grooming industry. Let me introduce you to our hostesses with the mostesses. She is the socialite of skin and coat care, Ms. Michelle Knowles. And the queen bee of all things oily, Ms. Melissa Conti-Diener. Brought to you by TheOilyGroomer.com Are you searching for a new and more mindful way of grooming? Interested in understanding how to grow your grooming business with a more holistic and organic approach? Please contact Melissa Conti-Diener at TheOilyGroomer.com so that you can set up a meeting and bring balance and prosperity to your life. And AllThingsPaw.com Intermediate and advanced courses in pet esthetician work, fear recovery, animal handling, and more. Get your learn on with all things paw. And by PositiveEd.com Attend from anywhere in the world. Always pay the lowest price. 6 to 10 hours of innovative content and more. Education for every learning lifestyle. Never miss the class you need and transcripts are provided for recordings. Say hello to Pet Professional Education Unleashed with PositiveEd.com. Now, let's get this tea party started. All righty then. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the tea. Good morning. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well after my week of dental surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm feeling much, much better. And uh, I've, I've made myself a nice, cool blend since I had to have root canal. Mm. What's in your cup, Melissa? (laughs) I know. I'm like, I am doing a cool blend because I wasn't able to have anything too hot or too cold because I was having the dental work. So today after everything is all done, I have my little, temporary crown on i have to wait for the 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 real one not exactly the crown i was hoping i would be given but Mm -hmm. it it still counts i'm getting a crown so (laughs) fair enough fair enough but it's ginger and uh ginger and lemon and a little peppermint uh in there and Mm -hmm. uh with some of my local honey that's always you know with the pieces of the comb in there but a nice blend to try and just keep any bacteria at bay and to help mm. heal my mouth. Sounds great. So Sounds it is. Great. And it's beautiful cold. And I have a little ice in here. Sweet. So what's in your cup, Michelle? I have the Aster Falsecraft cup today. Nice. Hand it down for my mother. Thank you, Barbara Contreras, wherever you are out there probably watching. Uh, today we're doing thyroid support. So I have ashwagandha, <laughs> ashwagandha, chamomile, ginger, lobelia, mullein, yellow dock, cinnamon for a little bit of spice. And I added copper and magnesium. Because you are 
always with the minerals, with all that stuff. I mean, you're like, so you like supercharge your tea. Yes. I mindfully choose my tea. Yes. I mindfully choose my tea, but I just don't, I don't blend it as, I don't blend as many facets as you do. You're like a sommelier. Isn't that what they're called? Yeah, wine. Yeah, with wine. You're a tea sommelier. So um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I still have a ways to go with my courses, um, but it is coming along really nicely. And I'm, I'm happy and I'm excited and so passionate to learn this method uh, to be able to add another layer onto my therapeutic work. Uh, I think that it's going to be a really valuable tool in the future um, because it's so good. Like it, it's medicine. It is actual medicine. And it does help you and it does work uh, and it's so natural and it's soft. Uh, the herbal actions are soft. I mean, you could absolutely make it very concentrated um, and you could hurt yourself just like anything else if you overeat or over imbibe. But uh, the tea just is a, a gentle action in your body. And uh, we want a lot of the, the herbs that kind of help balance the body because I, I love the balance. I'm all about balance. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's a common thread for us is balance is uh, that's what I'm trying to do with the, with the lemon, with the ginger, all just all those warming, uh, <laughs> all those warming herbs in there to try to really just keep a good, healthy uh, bacteria in my mouth. That is not, um, they were surprised that they didn't put me on, on uh more antibiotics, but I didn't have any ill effects, but I think mm -hmm. I do like herbal mouthwash and I have, um, uh, I just try as, as much as possible to keep that natural biome in my mouth the way it should be. Yeah, definitely. And tea helps. So tea does help. Tea does help. You could also do, um, probably a little bit of calendula and also mm -hmm. oregano, um, eat an oregano tea or use oregano uh, just as a supplement. Uh, yep. That's a, like a natural antibiotic. So, yeah. And calendula is basically marigolds for those that don't mm -hmm. know. It is a marigold flower. It's you, you use the, the plant, but um, it is a powerful anti-inflammatory antibiotic it's got antifungal properties like yep. it's, it's crazy good yep. <laughs> yeah. it is and so i think it's always amazing when we talk about what like particular herbs and, and flowers uh, because a lot of the ones that have are the most powerful medicine are the ones that we get rid of Mm -hmm, that we want out of our lawn or they're not pretty or like dandelion is another one milk thistle mm -hmm. uh, these are mullen plantain yeah. <laughs> burdock, burdock borage <laughs> there's so many uh that would, would be considered a weed weeds um, yeah yeah so um they're so it's, good it's for you funny my daughter one of my daughters the one that um, they both live in New York, but the one of them is uh, a uh, a floral artist, and her name is Rita R I T A. When she was little, she had a speech impediment, and she could she would say her name as Weeda, W E E D A H, and so it almost like became a little nickname for her. And then when she started her floral company, that's what she called it, and she said, "I think it's." 
I think it's apropos. She's like, Mom, because my favorite flowers are the weedy type of flowers. Aww, that's like, so awesome. So, that yeah. is awesome. So yeah, she's uh, she's Weeda the florist. <laughs> so um, there are good things in all different types of weeds that we mm -hmm. things that we think of as a weed, and a lot mm -hmm. of it is really important sacred medicine. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I think it was just a, a matter of um, keeping up with the Joneses, uh, being luxurious, yeah. having a lawn that didn't have to be planted with food. Uh, right. It was the ultimate luxury. And then we became so bougie, we forgot even that lawns should probably just have a garden in them mm -hmm. <laughs> instead of grass that nothing really eats and it doesn't provide any comfort or um, anything for the ecosystem. It's just a drain. Uh, we live in Arizona. Um, I've got rocks in my front yard I don't, we've got I'm bougie and ah, she is she's very she's rich and bougie and she's got little signs that say don't tread on my grass because it's special and you're not uh, I've been there <laughs> I love it oh my gosh um, but I do have a garden. I didn't plant a garden this, this year, um, under my, I have a huge eucalyptus tree and I didn't plant, um, my herbs that I usually plant underneath there. Um, mm -hmm. this year I just had too many things going on, but I, um, I do have rosemary out there and I do have roses that like self propagate and all that, but mm -hmm. my lavender bit the dust last year. It lasted a little over five years and um, I harvested what was left and then that was it. So probably this coming uh, early fall, I'll probably do another big batch of that and some comfrey mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, some others that I usually will put chamomile, which grows really well here in our soil. Um, and do some of those, but, uh, it's, uh, it's a labor. Like, you know, Michelle, you have like a real, like you're growing <sighs> medicinal. So you know what that mm -hmm. is, yeah. but just my little front one with pretty, I like pretty, are you surprised? I like pretty flowers, pretty herbs. And mm -hmm. because I like it to also look ornamental, but I mean, it takes a lot to keep that up and keep it growing and nice and and mm -hmm. actually take out weeds that choke off and mm -hmm. take the nutrients from the the stuff you're planning for medicine right and some of it's so invasive uh those types you have to put in pots all your mints should go yeah. in pots um things like that i've just got my summer garden my spring summer garden this year did so much better than my spring summer garden last year believe it or not and we didn't even have a heat wave last year i was just right. um it was a learning experience. Let's just tell you that. <laughs> it, but, always uh, it always is. It's even yeah. if you do something the same one year and the next year, something, some mm. slight change in the barometer, you know, the barometric pressure. Mm -hmm. And because we have minimal humidity and we have lots of heat, mm -hmm. intense heat. So just tiny changes can throw the whole, the whole garden into a book. Yeah. We have zero humidity. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> like we have negative 28 uh, humidity. And, and when you, when you pick something up, the dust kind of falls off of yeah. you and it at the same time. Yeah. It's like that. So basically the only thing that's living out there now is my bed of asparagus. 
my one Meyer lemon citrus tree. I have a raspberry and a blackberry bush. Um, my dragon fruit didn't make it because I didn't give it enough shade. Um, and I was gone for too long at Teton. And I think they did not pamper it the way they should have if I would have been here. Right. Uh, however, they were still babies. So it's not that much of a loss. I didn't, it's not like I spent hundreds of dollars on a tree, right. you know, and then it died. But so we're getting ready to reseed and restart um, all of the seeds for the fall garden. And I'm doing that today. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting. Nice. I am, have huge plans of going to get a new office chair. <laughs> that is so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and get my nails done. So there you go. <laughs> but I am fine. To, it's too hot for me. I'm a, di I'm a type 2 diabetic. So it's too hot. I cannot be out in that heat. I have to mm -hmm. be out really, really early. Um, and I still wear a big giant hat because I am of she's the, delicate. I'm a delicate flower with alabaster skin and yes. I don't really get tan. I just fry. So, <laughs> and I would love to look 56 when I'm 86. So I try to take care of my skin with the sun. I don't like to I love it. I'm, I'm a sun worshiper. I would lay out, but I have to put on SPF 9000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a big sun hat for anybody who comes over in the swimming pool. Yeah. Because it's just, and I have a huge umbrella, but if they want to be outside, I've got this nice little cute little sun hat for them to wear and all the things. So what's our topic today? Uh, today, I think uh, since this is our premiere and welcome everyone. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Kate. Hello, Melissa. Um, we this is our premiere and we have prepared questions to ask yeah, each other to ask each other. So this is getting to know you or getting to know us. Right. Here we go. Who remembers this? I remembered this. Putting it my way, but nicely. You are precisely my cup of tea. Getting to know you. All right. So that's enough of that. Shut up. Right, right, right. All right. So you want to just go one for one? Sure. All right. Okay. You start us, start us out. Me? All right. I'm going to ask you if you were kidnapped by aliens, how mm -hmm. would you explain to them who you are and what you do? I would lie. I would lie <laughs> and, make, <laughs> and make up all kinds of wild stuff because what do they know? That's <laughs> question i thought how would i do and i'm like and here's my opportunity to be like i am the leader i am yes, the i run all this shit you have to come to me for everything oh that's funny. oh my god so we've established getting to know us we're both liars and megalomaniacs so okay let's <laughs> Uh, they don't need to know what I do for a living. They're aliens. They want to know different things. 
Let's it discuss like, other topics. You're on a need to know basis. Let me just tell <laughs> you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. All right. What all is right, the first you- thing you wanted to be when you when you grew up when you were little? Like, what was your first? This uh, I want to be this. Oh, <laughs> I actually used to say it all the time. I want to be famous. I want to be the queen. I used to say that all the time. I the oh, first time wow. I ever saw. The queen Objective of achieved. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have the same birthday as the queen of England, uh, the former queen of England who's now passed away. But I remember being little, my mom telling me that she's like, look, you have the same birthday as her. And I was like, I, th- I that's what I want to be. I, my mom's like, she's the can't. usurper. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say it to my husband all the time. I look at all these fancy bougie houses, all this stuff. And I'm always like, I swear in my soul, I know that's where I like another life. I lived like that because I feel it in my every fiber of my being that I should be pampered like that. If we go to a restaurant and you pull a bell out of your purse, yeah, I'm gonna have to take you aside just for a second. No, but you got a little bit. We went out yesterday, Michelle and I. Um, we had an awesome little meeting. You guys got a little teensy piece of my bougie. I was like, my food came, and I was like, yeah, no, this is not right. Thank you. Bring that well, back. Well, it was salmon, and it was it yucky. was so. Um, and we're in Arizona, so yes, uh, take it back. <laughs> But yeah, I, I wanted to be just famous. I, it was just my, like, I say it all the time. I want, I think more than anything, I wanted to be like in the arts, but my oh, life went in a different direction. Right. So right. now at least I, I get to do semi like that, which, you know, teaching my classes. And so anything I can be the center of attention. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And get paid, right? I get paid. <laughs> get paid. Yes. <laughs> That's a quote from Bo Burnham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. All right, lay it on me. Ah, uh, if you could have a cup of tea with anyone in history, living or deceased, who would it be and why? I think that it would probably be either the builders of the pyramids or the architects of Gobekli Tepe. Which and is, for, for those of us that are do not know ancient architecture. Gobekli Tepe is the oldest, uh, set, not a settlement, basically. It's just a place where there's columns and, and carvings and things like that. And it's the oldest one. And they think that is where we also started uh stopping hunting gathering and doing actual agriculture but for some reason the entire site which stretches for it's a huge area and they've only done like five percent of it and it's in turkey and uh, it was intentionally filled back in again and covered with rubble so i want to know i'm always very interested where our origins are from so strangely enough the alien thing kind of got into that but um you know, just the inquiring mind. I want to know where we come from. What happened? What happened in history? There's so much that was lost in history because we have short lives. And if we're struggling just to survive, you don't care about deep history. All that gets lost from generation to generation. Even people who were born in 2003, um, 
consider something that happened in the 1970s in the 1900s, like the pioneers. Like it's really weird, but that's what happens. And you don't really have that perspective, I think, until you get older and you look back and you're like, oh, that's how we lose history. That's how we forget who we are. It takes one generation of not being taught something and it's gone. And if the old people die, then there's no one to carry on um, our histories, our oral histories. So that's why the older, your elders are so important. Oh, they yeah. hold that history in their brain. Um, and we need it. We need it to survive the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. The more we forget, the more helpless we are when it comes to fluctuations in our environment and in our political environment as well. So I just want to know what's going on. They probably didn't speak my language. They probably, I don't even know if they were human. You know, we don't know. Right. Uh, we just know that it was built and it's strange. And that's the oldest thing that we found so far. I'm sure that's not the oldest thing that's actually on the earth um, that was built by beings. But uh, that's probably what I would do. I'd have a cup of tea with the, the architects of Gobekli Tepe. That's, that's my plan. I had a toss up for mine. I, I, I was, <laughs> I, I am always very fascinated by Cleopatra mm -hmm. because she was such a learned woman in a time when women generally were not allowed to be that, like she spoke so many languages and mm -hmm. even though she was the daughter of the Pharaoh, normally they weren't permitted to have that kind of education and well, she was Greek, so. Yes, and that's what I <laughs> That's that probably the only reason she was allowed to learn how to right. read. Right. She, she actually got sent to Alexandria and went mm. and learned, and she actually built a library. And mm. so I find her fascinating, her whole story, everything about her, completely fascinating. So I would love to talk to, to her and just pick her brain. And the mm. other one is, and I know it's shallow, but... You know, that's my, I have light and dark too, but is Anna Wintour, who is the uh -oh. head of Vogue, mm -hmm. because I just think that she is a brilliant woman. So for, for those that, who, of, for those who, the, who don't know who that is, please explain. She is, she's the head of Vogue magazine. Mm -hmm. um, and she has been for the past more than 25 years. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and while she is like they made the movie The Devil Wears Prada and Meryl Streep was fashioned after that character, her character. Mm -hmm. um, I, she's just to me, she's just brilliant. She has learned she has taken a, a small thing like fashion and turned it into a global phenomenon where she was able to take one magazine mm -hmm. and make it be it. it it just is the Bible for, for those of you that I follow fashion because I follow history and I love history. And as history changes, so, do, so does fashion mm -hmm. and trends. And it says where our country is. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, for her to maintain that and to keep that, that was, that was my flip flop between the two um, because I love all things fashion and, I'm, I'm a true Taurus. I love all bougie, you know, good food. Oh, good yeah. Food. You're good my fashionista queen. You really are. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
and on her phone and all the little cute things. So she had a little cat to sit on the side of her glasses. She had yeah. that right there. <laughs> like she's got all the baubles. She loves the, she loves that. <laughs> yeah, that that would that was my flip flop with that. All right, ask me mine. Okay, tell me a defining moment in your career. Mm. Tell me about what you would consider like something that really changed. You know, you walked through a door and you were never able to open that door again. Like you, it defined you, it changed you, and you move forward in a new direction. Don't get me wrong. I love my mother, but. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting lead in, but okay, uh, go for it. Uh, I, I absolutely love and adore her. She is, you know, the person that actually I grew up with dogs and cats and learning all these things firsthand from my mother. But my mother is not the type to say, great job. You know, you're really good. You're doing great at this or whatever. It would be like, look, I, you know, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Oh, that's good. That's nice. You know, and it's just her. It's just her personality, just the way she is. One day when I had my own shop and I worked with another groomer who was far more advanced than I was in grooming. She had been grooming for a really long time and she was, and if she is still out there grooming, I'm sure she is still a phenomenal groomer and we were working side by side and um, my mom used to be my receptionist and the customer came in and picked up their dog and the dog left and the dog looked amazing as usual. And my mom looked at me and my mom was like, now she's a real groomer. Now, whether or not my mom meant I was not a real groomer, you know, um, I don't really think that's what she meant. She meant it as a compliment. Like she's at the top of her game, like she's there. And, but for me, I took it like, well, that means I'm not good enough. I'm not, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about, I'm in like my very early thirties. So I was still very, uh, easily offended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and that moment, from from that moment on, I was like, I want to be a real groomer. Like, I want to know as much as I can know. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to take what I know and be able to teach other people what I know. And it, I always say I'm an adequate groomer for, like, the aesthetic of the haircut. But... I just, oh, pretty much from that moment on, I felt like I always had a different connection. And that was my catalyst to just fall into everything that I am about today. I see. Yep. So, so that was just something that clicked. You remember very clearly. Oh, yeah. Like it was yesterday, like, okay, this happened. But instead of saying, oh, forget it, I'm throwing in the towel. My mom doesn't even think I'm a good groomer. You were like, right. And she never even said it. It wasn't like mean or it wasn't Mm -hmm. anything like that. She was just like, now that's a real groomer. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she's the best at this. And for me, I was like, I know where my talents lie. And my talents don't lie the same as what this other groomer had. 
Mm-hmm. Her name was Barb. She was an amazing scissor groomer, hand, could hand scissor anything. And, and I knew that just wasn't my forte. I knew that wasn't my thing. So at that moment, I just said, you know what? I have my things. I have my stuff and that's what I'm going to focus on. Mm-hmm. And then that, and that's how I built my business. That's how I built my name, a reputation, everything came from, from that moment where I said, I'll show her. <laughs> I got your real groomer right here. <laughs> so that was a very defining moment. And I know I've talked to other groomers about this and I know other groomers have, have had someone just say something and not necessarily to be undermining to them, but it's just that just ignites that spark. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that's what that did. It was like, you know, it was just one of those things where it was like, I need to, I need to focus on what I want out of this. Mm -hmm. And if I want to be in this, which I've always wanted to be in this, Mm -hmm. I need to figure out exactly how I want to do this mm-hmm. and be really good at it. Mm-hmm. So. I think mine was the very first time I did an actual therapy and got spectacular results. Uh, I did it on my own without a veterinarian. Uh, it was just out of a salon. And when I, it finally clicked together, um, I had, to, I'd been grooming. I don't know how long. 92, I don't know, maybe 10 years. And uh, in that, yeah, I was a serviceable groomer, uh, learning all the foundational skills, doing serviceable grooms, you know, right. getting a paycheck, feeding the kids, whatever. But I was I was pre-vet um, at one time before I started grooming, and I was always interested in the medical aspect of everything. And I was always interested in the skin, you know, and whatever was available at the time um, was not adequate because we'd still have uh, dogs coming in every week. Um, with a prescription shampoo and then we would just maintain it and it wouldn't get any better. And sometimes it got worse and the vet would just be like, keep using the shampoo. There's nothing really you can really do. And I refused to accept that in my heart. Uh, So I would always mix together concoctions. Like I've been doing that for a long time anyway. um, But uh, when I first did that uh, first therapeutic case, and regrew hair on a dog that hadn't had hair in a 10 year period. Um, I went home and cried. I cried my eyes out and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to tell this to everyone. Everyone should know this. Uh, and from that moment on, uh, it has been my passion and my mission in life to make sure as many people know it as possible, whether they accept it and use it or not, it's out there. But it's out there. Uh, It's out there. And now I've done it for almost 20 years. I've been therapeutically inclined and doing esthetician work for almost 20 years now. Yeah. And uh, it just gets better and better. And as I learn, the more the things click, I fit them in like a little, you know, a little Jenga piece and they all fit together. And, you know, once you amass a certain uh, set of skills, you're like, oh, okay, I see how this works. Then it's just a matter of refining all your techniques, refining your product selection and things like that. It changed me for forever in such a profound way that you cannot go back. You can't go back. You cannot do it the other way. It's just not for me anyway. I I can't do things the way I used to because now I know better and I'm going to do better. 
So yeah. I feel the same way with just the handling and my, how I developed the compassionate touch points um, and the massage. I, I was a massage therapist before I was ever a professional groomer. And mm-hmm. I worked uh, with Kate Clayson uh, in Fountain Hills, Arizona at her spa, uh, Balance Paws. And we had a large amount of clients that were 86 that were just kicked out of everywhere that no one else, no groomer wanted to groom um, everything from old and infirm to just uh, issues with um, aggression or fear, um, all that stuff. And um once I worked there with Kate, I really started to, like you said, like Jenga. For me, it was almost like a, 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 a jigsaw puzzle. Like every animal that I worked with and that I knew, and don't get me wrong, we wore Kevlar gloves and Kevlar sleeves because these guys were not playing. They were going to bite at you. and mm-hmm. um, But we were able to work with so many dogs that were thought to be unworkable. Um, and they were not allowed to be on medication or sedated. And, um, and it had a lot to do with the atmosphere. We used specific frequency tones with our balance, how we were, um, I could never go back and groom the way that, um, the way that I was taught, and I tell my students this all the time, I'm always like, I was taught like this, but I never thought that was the right way. I always thought, okay, fine, this is what you're saying for me to do, but if I do this, this works so much better. The animal responds mm-hmm. so much better to this, and they would always be like, yeah, but you're not supposed to be concerned with that. You're supposed right. to be concerned with those perfectly stovepipe legs or that perfectly yeah. round face or I know every groomer, every groomer that's listening or that we reach or whatever out there, when they were coming up, they had, they were doing procedures that inside they know didn't feel quite yeah. right. They didn't know why they weren't right, but they felt wrong. Yeah. Like, oh, I probably, this doesn't feel healthy. <laughs> you know, I'm My sure that everybody's course. We took a course at one of the expos. And literally, I'm talking about probably very early 2000s, but mm-hmm. uh, not to date myself. I was a mere child at that point. Uh, an infant. An, an infant. infant. I, she had me in the stroller <laughs> at this class. But, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but here's this person up there getting paid to teach a class full of groomers how to keep control of a dog that's being unruly on the table. And he literally had a towel rolled up with rubber bands on it to make it hard and long. And then telling, telling you to hit the dog. In the oh, head. the bonking, the bonking technique. Yes. yes. And that's my horrendous. mother and I looked at each other and we were like, you've got to be insane. I'm not hitting dogs with a, and rolled this up was towel or an expert. Yeah. And then yeah. at the end, they sold these little, it looked like a metal handle with a little like rubber tennis ball kind of looking thing on it. And that was the training method was like hit him in the head with that or in the nose, like bonk him in the face. And, hmm. and I was just like, oh, 
made my heart hurt. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Truly, truly heartbreaking. That's yeah. terrible. So it's like, I, we all encounter things. You go to classes, you go to, you know, expos or you take a class online or you take, and sometimes it's just information. Uh, I won't say who, but I will say there was someone out there that was teaching about aromatherapy and she was telling the groomers to put lavender oil, slather it on the nose of the dog. And I was like, oh, sweet. neat. Mary, yes, <laughs> neat. I was like, no, 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 no. So Yeah, being that can smell 600 different layers. Yeah, you're exactly. put a concentrated oil directly onto their smeller mechanism. No, that's, yeah, that's yeah. enough. Oh, that calms them down. They're probably overwhelmed. They probably well, want to faint. Yeah, they're going to go into the, <laughs> the freeze from the, you know, fight right. or flight or freeze mode. So, mm -hmm. all right. Now that we went on a tangent and we, <laughs> we digress. <laughs> forgot what what question we were on uh, i think we're on three okay so here's mine for you what okay. do you collect oh my gosh <sighs> mail email <laughs> boxes plants herbs crap that comes in my house <laughs> i think i'm like a grade two hoarder yeah <laughs> okay I'm this close. If my husband didn't love me like he loves me, um, I would just be a hoarder. Yeah. He takes good care of me. And, and, and he's blind, so he can't see all of it either. Yeah, it's strategically put on shelves. He doesn't know. Really, he actually does know. He knows me. He, he knows, knows me. He only so became well. blind about nine years ago or yeah, so. So he, we've been together for 31. So, I mean, he, he knows. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I do collect boxes. Um and they're not any kind of boxes, but I, I do like unique boxes. I've got stone ones, puzzle boxes, boxes friends have given me, memento boxes. Um, I've got them set up in my shelves in my living room. Um, if you've ever been over to my house or seen a video of me doing yoga in the front room, you'll probably see the, the boxes on the shelves. It's only some of them. Some of them are in storage. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> mm. What's your question for me? Let's see. What's your favorite color? Pink. Pink. Like, you know, that was a no brainer right there. Yeah. I mean, I, I next to black, because I like, I wear a lot of black. I enjoy black. Uh, it's. Uh, well, it makes the pink pop. It does. <laughs> it also makes me look more svelte. So. Uh, right. It is. <laughs> And it's, I don't know, I just always thought of it, I grew up in, in uh, hair salons, my, my parents always had hair salons, my mom's a hairdresser, was a hairdresser, mm -hmm. and they always, hairdressers are always glamorous, you know, so they always had, um, at least the salons that my mom, my family had were higher end, and the, the stylists always had heels and came in very dressed up, and, but it was always black and white. They were always mm -hmm. in that black and white. And one of the things that I learned early on was that um, it's a way in, in it's a way when you are in a service industry, you'll notice that they wear a lot of waitresses, waiters, you know, they do wear a lot of black or black and white um, monochrome, monochrome color mm -hmm. choices, um, because you blend kind of blend in and you're not standing out, you want the customer to stand out. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
And I had that experience when I went to New York and I went to Tiffany because my daughters live in New York. Mm-hmm. Whenever I go, I have to go to Tiffany. Uh, I don't always buy something. Um, but this last time I went and I bought myself a little Peretti bean um, just to celebrate some personal things for myself. And it's such a beautiful experience if you've never been. And even if you don't ever buy anything in there, the way that you're treated is just so different than anywhere else. And to me, it's like just, it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. probably what good what they considered good service everywhere back in the day. <laughs> it, it just it it's the old like if you I, I'm a movie head, so like if you watch old movies and you see like when the ladies mm-hmm. go into the department stores and they have the help mm-hmm. that helps them and there at Tiffany, they put gloves on. They literally give you the white glove treatment. They put white mm-hmm. gloves on. They take the jewelry out. They show it to you. They put it on for you. They hold the big mirror. You are treated like you're royalty, which you nice. know is right up my alley. So I love that. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't always buy something there. You mm-hmm. know, it's sometimes it's just to go in there and it just makes me feel good, you know, mm-hmm. to be treated like that for a little while. But that's, that is just one of those things where the, it's the same thing. They're, they're there to not be the center of attention. They're there to mm-hmm. make you, the customer, the center of attention. Mm-hmm. So, and they well, have- I like it. I like the black and white look. It's crisp. It uh, is. It's formal. It's formal wear in a casual way. Yes. Um, you know, it's just very basic, very clean, very classic. Um, I, I do lo- enjoy that. I like a monochrome gray myself, gray, sand, and white. My whole house is that. The yeah. outside of my house is that. If I could paint the rocks outside that, I probably would. Um, I, little, I find myself, I find little. myself really inundated with colors and marketing and noises and signs and people. So when I come home, I want my eye to be just a neutral you know, this, just gray and beautiful and soft and nothing's jumping out. So I don't have one wall accent. It's all just one color, one beautiful monochromatic color. So, and then my house is a beautiful mix of everything Michelle just described that bothers her. <laughs> all the pictures that are on the wall in my whole house yeah. are behind me. They're behind me. <laughs> my living room. Like, if you see me when I do my little things in my living room and stuff, like, I've got stuff everywhere. I was looking, this is my office, and this is only a few things in my office. So, Melissa is the kind of person that when you go to her house, you understand every single corner piece, empty wall is decorated with something. She's got a spoon or a saying or some pictures <laughs> or a thing or a plant or a, a, a distressed cabinet or a it's it's just beautiful it's like fruit for your eyes because everything is just in such a way but it it frames it her something. life yeah, yeah. It, it it all means something to me mm-hmm. even the, the pictures on the wall the family pictures or even the paintings i have on the wall it's just everything has a has a meaning mm-hmm. and i think because as a kid i moved constantly mm-hmm. like constantly sometimes i will go to a new school and my parent i was not an army brat or you know a military brat but my parents moved all the time sometimes i would go to two three different schools in a year um mm-hmm. because my parents were running from the law no i'm kidding they were <laughs> <laughs> no they were they were house 
flippers, you know, before it was the thing to do. And they used to buy real estate, fix the house. My dad's the general contractor and he would fix up these houses and they would sell them and move on to the next. And so mm -hmm. sometimes we would be there for a long time, you know, a year or so. And then other times he'd be done in six weeks and we'd be out of there. So I think for me, I used to, I noticed as a kid, I used to collect things that reminded me of places that I liked and the places that I was, uh, that yeah, I had yeah. been. So I have carried that over into my adult hoarding where I have to go. I have these two rocks, like all the time I spent in New Hampshire. I have so many seashells and rocks and things from the beaches and stuff there mm. that I literally, I had to get rid of some, but I only got rid of them into my garden. That was as far right. as I could put them. <laughs> <laughs> so I think everybody has that collector in them somewhere. Mm -hmm. If it's small things, but then every we're human, so often, we become sentimental over yeah. physical items. Yeah, it happens. And then every so often I have to just, I just, uh, that switch goes off and I have to purge and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, it's all getting donated. Everything's mm -hmm. going just come into my house and take something. Just take yep. it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I always tell my husband, I'll put it out at the curb with a free sign on it. I don't care. Right. I don't want it. Let somebody that wants it take it. While I'm mm. in that mood, let's get rid of it. Because tomorrow mm. I may be like, oh, my God, no, we can't get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, my husband just got through cleaning my office, helping. Uh, yeah. And he threw a <laughs> bunch of my stuff away, like a like expensive ear pods and everything else because they were with papers and a box and he was just like okay she's she never goes through these i'm like those are the ones i have gone through and i need all that stuff oh, so yeah. i got a cleaner office but now i gotta rebuy some stuff so oh well that's you always know. the best part <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> all right number four i'm a huge fan of retail therapy number four why did you go into holistic pet grooming Oh, that's a really interesting question because I didn't know any better. And I'll explain that. Um, when I first started grooming, um, I started mobile for about two weeks and I was like, ah, screw that. Uh, <laughs> mobile is not for me. I respect mobile groomers. You perform a wonderful service yes. and the ones that have it together, man, that's crazy good. I just can't, it's, I just can't operate that way. So yeah. kudos to you. Um, but when I first started grooming, I didn't really have a mentor or go to a school. So I was never taught, okay, you have to do it this way. And this is how you treat the dogs. And this is blah, blah. So I kind of organically developed into holistic grooming myself when it really wasn't even called that at that time. Um, you know, I formed a, a really good bond with animals previously. Anyway, I, I love dogs. I love dogs so, so much. If you know me, you have seen me cry over dogs at one point or another. Um, but until I met someone who did not groom holistically, I had no clue what it was that I was doing. Like, why are you being so mean to that dog? Why, you know, or just doing a groom for money. Uh, right. Not making a connection with the dog. Well, and I'm not even getting on you for that. You know, that's your personal journey. You have to go through it. But uh, I, I just felt like when I look 
into the eyes of a, of a dog or a cat or an animal that I'm communing with, I don't see um, them as inferior or I'm a human and they're an animal. We're all animals. We all have an equal chance to live on this earth. And why not make that experience the best I can for the dog? Because I get enjoyment out of it. And I didn't know that was holistic. I didn't know thinking about the comfort of the dog and how you hold the dog and treat the dog and, and have your energy while you're grooming. I had no clue that that was holistic. So by the time I learned what holistic was, I was well underway of, of doing it myself, just like that. And then you improve, you seek out those people that resonate with you and ask them questions. And, you know, you see their movements and their techniques and you adapt them to what you need. And that's basically how it, how it evolved. That's usually how, how it gets those of us that want to work opposite of what the industry is actually kind of touting. Yeah. So it's, uh, but it's often a question we hear yesterday at yeah. the little meeting that we were, well, breakfast, brunch, whatever it was that mm -hmm. we were at yesterday. Shout out to Mercedes at the Meow Absolutely. for yes. putting that together and all the other lovely ladies that were there. Um, sorry, but I have, uh, adult onset Alzheimer's and can't remember anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but um, what a wonderful little brunch that we had together. And, mm -hmm. um, and one of the questions was, well, what exactly is holistic or I, am I even working holistic or I'm mm -hmm. not sure. So I think that's always a big, the, no, it was, I don't have time to work holistically. That that's what it was. Yes, it's that like that has nothing. Time has nothing to do with it. You could still be fast and be holistic. Yes. I think the misnomer is people to hear holistic and they think it means pesticide free shampoo or something yes. or hypoallergenic. It has something to do with a product. Holistic right. means you pay attention to the whole situation of the animal right what they where environment are they coming from do they do they live with just a grandma do they live with a family with young kids that are constantly you know dressing it up riding it like a horse or you know what kind of life does it have what kind of food does it eat you know observe the animal a little bit are they timid are they confident all those things taking all those things into consideration is holistic you take into consideration the whole of the pet yeah. the whole being so it's the philosophy of holism. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's basically, I mean, it's, it's used across so many different marketing platforms. So, right. And I think they dirty it up a little bit, you know, our shampoo is well, holistic. How? Yeah. How can a shampoo have a sentient realization of the wholeness or wellness of right. the pet that it's being used on? <laughs> shampoo is not sentient. No. And that cannot be thing. holistic. It, it just is, uh, it's just a different way of being. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, I've got, it's giving I've, the animal a space to breathe. Yeah. Uh, and, also and just giving them a, the allowing them, like I got killed one time in a grooming group for saying, I always ask consent, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. when I'm working with, you know, with, with an animal, even if it's an animal I've worked with before, or I work right. constantly, I always ask for consent. I just got roasted over the coals on that one. And I get it. It sounds funny. It sounds, you know, uh, woo woo, but 
Mm-hmm. Too bad, because that's who I am anyway. And I do believe that we, um, they have a language of their own that we do not understand and we need to start to understand their language so that they can understand us as well. Mm -hmm. And so by asking consent just means that I'm making sure, is this okay? Or I can walk you through this if you're afraid of this. Um, When I teach my students that a lot of them realize that it's an exercise for us. Mm-hmm. in maintaining our decorum and our balance and um because it and you don't have to you don't have to audibly verbalize it you can you know just say it in your head and right. talk to them that way as well but it keeps you engaged it keeps your mind and your energy engaged with that animal and to me that's the most important part of the grooming process mm-hmm. yeah i agree i love all that I love all that. I just don't think that, I don't think that dogs are separate or below me at all. Yeah, Um, me either. We're all equal. And I don't, I I will go out of my way to not kill birds walking across the street. I'll save lizards. Um, Just because they're not us doesn't mean they have any less right to life. Um, That I operate from that principle daily. Like that's when I wake up, that is a part of who I am. Uh, We are all equal on the earth. And if, if I can live my life without hurting something else, I absolutely want to live like that. Yeah. Um, I'm a hundred percent behind that. I, I just like to see the genuine happiness of when the groomer goes up front and the dog is happy to see them and mm -hmm. they're happy to see that animal or that customer or, and not every customer is going to be your favorite. Not every dog is going to be your favorite, but that, you're actually, you're actually happy that this is what you do, mm-hmm. that, you know, this is a choice. Like there are, we said this the other day, there are people that were, I think Mercedes actually said it. There are people that work with animals. And then there are people that work with animals, you know, that mm-hmm. like, we want to work with them. And mm-hmm. then there are the other people that just are like, give me the dog, get it wet, get it what, you know, mm-hmm. it's just an assembly line process and let's just go and now get me the next one. And they do not really have any affinity for the animal itself. It's a mm-hmm. means to a paycheck. Yeah, I think I heard somebody say something one time, and this was a while ago, years ago, but my heart still twinges, physically twinges when I repeat this or I hear it or I think about it. Someone had said, well, I have a bathing beauty or something. Sorry, bathing beauty. I'm just using you as an example. Oh, <laughs> but somebody said, I, yeah, right. yeah, I had a bathing system. I have a bathing system and I love it because I don't even have to touch the dog. Oh, and I was like, I was like, oh. Oh, my heart. Oh. Who wouldn't want to touch a dog? What is wrong? You are in the wrong field. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, That makes me crazy, too. They're like, I use a bathing system because I don't even have to touch the, touch dog. the dog. I'm like, that's wow. my whole, that's my whole shtick. That's my whole yeah. style is <laughs> put your hands on the dog. Let's do some touch. Well, not only that, the only reason that I pay for education and I pay for smocks and pay for clippers and pay for blades and pay for everything that you have to pay for when you're a groomer. The only reason that I do that is so I can touch a dog. (laughs) I I just cannot imagine a day 
that I was like, oh, I've gone a whole day without touching a dog. Isn't that great? I just can't. In my head. My head. No. Um, for me, it's dogs and cats. So I'm always like, mm -hmm. I want to pet them. Even if they're not mine at work, they mm -hmm. literally come into my classroom with dogs and they're like, Melissa, where do you see this one? Mm -hmm. And and if it's a puppy or if it's a kitten, oh, that I just lose my mind mm -hmm. and get snuggles and kisses and everything. And they always bring me the old ones. They're always like, look at this old guy coming in for his you know, haircut, blah, blah. Because they know I genuinely love them. Mm -hmm. I live with a pack of 11. Mm -hmm. So 11 and she dogs. she ain't lying. 11 dogs. Michelle's They're over yet. all up in her house. <laughs> <laughs> and they are, they are treated like royalty. At that they are. Most of mine are Shih Tzus, which we all know. We're born and bred to be royal dogs. So I'm building my royalty kingdom here. <laughs> Your army. Yes, my little army. She too, army of death. Killers, <laughs> they are. Top knots. <laughs> All right. Is it my turn? Yes. All right. What is your favorite breed to groom? Uh, I have two. So uh, I love to groom cockers. Um, I know it's every groomer's nightmare. I used to breed them, I used to show them. I have one cocker old lady left here at the house. She's the last cocker standing, Foxy Brown. I don't keep her in much coat anymore. She is 14. Um, but I adore a drop coat, a spaniel. I, I love that. I love to hand strip their backs. You know, it just is a favorite of mine. And then the other one is obviously Shih Tzu's. Um, I love to do Shih Tzu's. I think that there's so much you can do with that coat, like mm -hmm. just so many different types of styles and ways to just change up the look like boys. I love to shave the ears on. Mm -hmm. I think it makes them look masculine. Yeah. And I love button ears. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just love doing that to them or doing a tight schnauzer face on, you know, on a Shih Tzu mm -hmm. looks super cute. And so I, those are my two favorite. My least favorite are what every groomer wants. Poodles. Mm. I just, it is just right. never been my, my favorite thing. My favorite coat type to work with. I love a drop coat. Mm -hmm. So what's yours? <laughs> well, I don't have a favorite breed. I love the ones that love me and that need me. And uh, if they've got bad skin, those are my favorite, I guess. Right. So it's not really a breed, but I let's say a condition. Uh, I really am skin oriented and sometimes to the detriment of my own self. Um, I'm so deeply in it. Sometimes I can't see the forest for the trees, but I, I will, you know, they're like, oh, well, we don't care about that lesion. Just make her pretty. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <And> what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just the other day, uh, Riza Wisdom had, had a cute little uh, uh, little Asian trim, Asian fusion trim. And I guess the client complained and said, you know, it doesn't have to be like all show dog, all crisp. And she was like, what, what, what? Yeah. yeah. They, they just wanted a regular pet trim like that. And she uh, was like, oh. Then go to what? a regular and pet trim. course, <laughs> looks so crisp. Yeah. Which <laughs> lets you know that, you know what? No matter how you groom or what level you are, there's a clientele for you. 
Yeah. I enjoy making dogs look natural. Um, I am not a crisp uh, stylist. I will never be that scissor queen. Right. I'm not that. I, I love skin and I'm a serviceable groomer. Uh, however, um, I I think I have it, superior skills at making dogs look like they haven't been groomed, but they look neat. Right. Uh, the natural doodle faces are a joy. I and I love doodles. Half of them are too big at my age and at my time of grooming to do those big dogs anymore. But I will do all the heads. I love doing the faces. And because I know that a lot of doodle owners love that. They want a natural look. They right. want it cleaned up and symmetrical, but they don't want it to look so trimmed. And sometimes they're so over scissored. They look hard. They look harsh. Right. Uh, instead of soft, like the owner wants them, they want a certain softness. So I've developed a clientele of people who like my natural way of grooming. Um, and I don't have a lot of clients who need that tight trimming, you know, that perfection, uh, right. which is good because I can't do it anymore anyway. <laughs> my hand, my neck, I, my back, my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what motivates you? Um, it depends on what it is. Um, I am uh, one of those who uh, am motivated by pressure. So sometimes I will leave things uh, with a very short span of time frame left to get a job done. Uh, but that my juices really start flowing and I'm just like, okay, then I can focus. It's just how I've always been. Are but, you a procrastinator? Um, I, yeah, yeah, I would say that. But I have so many irons in the fire at any, any given time. It's really hard yeah. to Am I procrastinating or am I just taking a me day? Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot that I've got going on. Because I'm, so. I'm, I'm a procrastinator. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just how I work best. I obsess and overthink about it for the whole entire time until I'm down to the wire. And then I put it all together and pull it out mm -hmm. my arse and, you know, mm -hmm. and just be like, this is it. And it's pretty damn good. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. If I have, if I have a huge timeline, I get lost in that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, like you said, focus, I need to just have that time to just focus on it. Um, except when I write, um, I can write over several like weeks and build upon an article or build upon something that I'm writing. But, right. uh, but like when I do the class, I always say I have to just wait for my divine download. I, I literally feel like that's what happens. Like my top of my head opens up like a sunroof. <laughs> you know? And it uh -huh. just got boop, that tractor beam just kind of comes down and it's like, yeah. I, now I know exactly what I want to do and yeah. how I want to do it. And then, and then chaos. you descend into creative chaos. chaos. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean, that's, that's just how I noticed that that's how a lot of um, people that have a lot of irons in the fire, you know, overachievers uh, can, can be like that. Mm -hmm. I find that it helps if I, every new project that I have, I, it, I will immediately make an outline. And if I can divide that outline by however many weeks or days or months that I right. have to finish it, then I know that that small deadline of the first chunk of the outline gets done at this yeah. time. So oh, I'll I, do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's a, that's a highly developed technique over years of procrastination yeah. and tearing my hair out at the last minute. <laughs> I 
that, it works for me. I have no mm -hmm. little notebooks and things everywhere because I have to list. That's just the way my brain works is mm -hmm. I have to put things in order. It has mm -hmm. to be, I need to know what has to be done first and order of importance or order of what I want. When I write, because I still use pen and paper, when I, when my husband and I go to the grocery store, when, when I write the shopping list, I write right. it according to the aisles because we shop at the same stores. And I write it according to the aisles. So, and I get so upset when he's like, oh, and by the way, I need apples. And I'm all the way down at the laundry stuff now. Now mm -hmm. I got to go up and try and squeeze it at the top. Mm -hmm. So I like ordered chaos, I think. All right. For me. So, all right. So what's your next one for me? Let's see. Um, what and who got you into oils? My daughter, my middle daughter, Wida, uh, was, um, she was born a severely allergic child. She was allergic to everything, um, including me. I had to, uh, she just, it was just her birthday. She just turned 33. So 33 years ago, they didn't just sell soy baby formula at the grocery. Right. You used to have to order it through That's the pharmacy. special prescription shampoo. Yeah. yeah. Just like yeah. prescription formula. Formula. And I, I mean, it was, it was really hard. She was allergic to, to her pampers. We had to use um, regular diapers. It was, it was an eye opener for me as a young mother. Cause my son who was, um, I think he's five years older than her. Um, had no allergies and he it was a piece of cake for him and but rita was allergic to everything she had something called a geographical tongue where her tongue was raised and and it, she just had lots of different issues that way and uh, metabolically right so there wasn't anything you know there weren't any the only thing i could get my hands on was cetaphil mm -hmm. to wash her in and wash the clothes in ivory. They wanted me to wash her, like bathe her in ivory soap because mm -hmm. it's supposed to be the purest soap. Um, but there was nothing. She had eczema. She developed eczema so bad all over. And I just, in those days was no internet. I just went to the library and I went to the library and I checked out every book I could find about like your skin health and what it needs and what is eczema and what are these things. And I just started mail uh, those days. You used to have to mail order your stuff and mm -hmm. mail ordering this stuff and putting things together. And then the internet came out and they had not chat rooms, but like, um, the chat boards, remember those mm -hmm. like, just bulletin like, boards they were bulletin yeah, boards right <laughs> post in there and i'd be like i have a two-year-old and this is what i'm suffering you know with and blah 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 and everybody that was the granola moms and there those these ladies were out there and they were helping me and simultaneously i always had dogs and i also did cat rescue and had cats and so i would be getting these cats in that had all sorts of skin issues, had all kinds of stuff. And then I was also doing some dog rescue, same kind of thing. So then I just started experimenting and I'm like, well, if we know if this is a kid for, for a baby, this is a dosage for a baby to use topically. 
Um, let me take this way down, you know, because there was nothing for animals in that category with essential oils. And, right. um, and I started talking to some farmers in other countries on these bulletin boards, which then turns into message groups, you know, and, mm -hmm. and had them helping me. And then I took, uh, I took courses at, uh, at ASU that were just like little courses, small courses about aromatherapy for humans. Then I took one at, um, NAU that was for animals. Mm -hmm. And I took that one. And then I went, how rare was that at that time? Oh my God. It was crazy. And it, oh, the only reason I knew it, it came up in one of the groups that I belong to on those chat groups. And they were like, Melissa, you're in Arizona. They're offering this. Oh, and okay. Yeah, so, and I, I took those. And then as the internet grew, I took more and more classes that I could find that were actually distance learning, you know, mm -hmm. and then I did Aroma Head and then I did Tisserand uh, Institute and, uh, what is her name? Lisa Bell. And, um, so I've, I've just went from there and just built upon it, but I just started, if I was doing it for Rita, I just started doing it on these animals as well. Sure. And I, I got such good results. And of course I always advocate for heavy dilution on animals until you know what you're working with, mm. but that's what got me in. It was a necessity for my baby. Right. Because she really could. interesting. Yeah. I never knew that. I know a lot about you, but I, I did not know that. I did not. Know yeah. That. Yep. She was just, I mean, it was terrible. She would just be, her skin would be raw and open. Mm. And, um, and I just, I, that's how I learned about comfrey. That's how I learned how to make salves because they didn't mm -hmm. sell anything and they just wanted to give her steroids. And I did not right. want it. I was already at that point. I just didn't want to use those things. I did enough research and went to the library and was like, I don't think my infant needs to have these steroidal creams. There's gotta right. be something gentler for her little system that is just so broken right now. Yeah. So, um, well, you, what you did worked. Oh, absolutely. She yeah. grew up, she's gorgeous. Yeah, she also has yeah. some gorgeous children. <laughs> <laughs> you made them all pretty. <laughs> I, my first husband, all my children are with my first husband. He made very, very good babies. If he did anything mm -hmm. right, that's the one thing he did right. <laughs> I will gladly give him that one. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, give me the next one. Uh, what are you doing now to build your dream? Like, what's your dream? And what are you doing to work towards that? Do I have a dream? Um, Everybody has a dream. Really? Uh, I have I things that like I think woman. of, and then I become immersed <laughs> in them, and then I have to do them really well, and then I squirrel and then i do the next thing and then I, I don't know that i have a dream i know i'm supposed to have this five-year plan 10-year plan I'm like i yeah. plan on keeping on keeping on doing yeah. the same stuff yes um well i do want to uh retire from physical grooming um and i am down to two days a week now and i'm just handling all the ones that are have to have me have to request me have to have whatever it is that I offer. 
Um, and I would like to become a full-time educator. And in about a couple more weeks, I would say, or uh, let's say the end of August, I am going to launch the Herbal Paw Pet Derb Apothecary. And uh, I think this is just a natural step up from what I already do. I'm adding a layer of uh, herbalist knowledge on top of my therapeutic knowledge. And I'm going to come out with uh, a couple new courses to take so that you may incorporate uh, herb herbals, uh, herbals, tinctures, and infusions into your therapeutics. Um, I normally would not have taken this step, but the proof is in the pudding to me all the time. I, I met this veterinarian uh, who uses herbs in his practice for 30 years. Some of the before and after pictures are so stunning. I'm talking full deglovings, no skin left whatsoever. Grew back just with herbs, just with herbs. Fully hair, uh, fully coated uh, with just a little scar. It just, it's amazing <clears throat> how powerful this natural medicine is. So I think that I'm really going off into the weeds on this one. I will be going down the rabbit hole like crazy. Um, my aim is to not have products to sell like regular products that I make and I label and I'm like, okay, I have this, this, and this, you can buy them. Um, what I'm really interested in is having people, uh, either the, the end user client with the, with the dog or an esthetician or a groomer or a trainer or whoever say, Hey, I've got this dog. He's got bad skin. Uh, you know, people are giving us the runaround. We know that you help skin. What do I do? So I would like them, uh, and it's live on my website, allthingspaw.com uh, under the herbal paw. And you can download a sheet where you um, give me a history what's going on, what medication, what the environment is like, all the nine yards, you fill it all out. And then I will tailor uh, a regimen for four, for the four week regimen. I will tailor that to that specific pet. So that's what I want to do. Uh, I'm sure along the way, we will have some that are repeat um, um, products that people are just like, oh yeah, just, I like that. And I will develop those as we go. But my heart is in that individual tailoring of those products and those formulas to help a specific pet uh, because so many people um, they understand the concept of therapeutics but it's really difficult for them to make or create a regimen They're like well what do I use and how much do I use well I want to take that and make it easy and just say you know what here's some plain instructions follow the instructions one two three do this for four weeks spray this on in between ta-da that's it. That's what you need for your particular dog. So I'm very excited to start that. Uh, I'm also, uh, there's a little branch of the herbal paw that also has an herbal emergency kit. So if you are into uh, the more natural pathway of healing wounds and this and that and the other, uh, this um, first aid tincture kit will do you so well. Uh, I made, I've already, um, I'm having it tested by four people in our industry right now to see if it's viable uh, because you have to take into consideration how long is that going to last in the bottle? Tinctures last for 20 years. Oils will last for a year uh, once you infuse them uh, and they're properly stored. So, um, and you have to say, okay, if it's a first aid kit, um, 
you have to have things that they can access easily uh, because people fumble and they're nervous during an emergency. It can't have five steps to mix it together. You know, you drop her full in this smear, smear, put it on there. You know, it has to be simple to use and gentle for the pet. Um, so that's something that I've developed with a couple of our uh, first aid um, groomers and instructors, and they are currently testing that out. And I've had 100 plus A star reviews so far um, from those tests. So that's what I plan on doing in the future. I want to make more courses. I want to help people uh, bring therapeutics into their grooming um, regimen, into their grooming toolbox. Uh, and there's so many people now that uh, understand the um, importance of skin and caring for the skin properly, but there's a whole bunch of them who've never even heard of the concept. You know, what shampoo do I use to make this Coke crispy? Yeah. You know, and it's just, I hate that question and love it at the same time. Cause when someone asks, they really don't know that there's not just one shampoo or one cream or one thing that's going to fix everything. Uh, it's understanding the processes and understanding how ingredients and formulas interact with those skin processes for the better. Uh, so I just want to, I want ever I want this to be foundational within the industry. I don't think it should be a specialty right now. It's a specialty, but I think before I die, I would love to see that it is foundational within our industry to do good skincare because without good skincare, you have no hair to trim. Everybody's worried about that texture of the coat, the texture of the coat, the texture of the coat. If the skin was healthy, it would be producing the best hair that that dog could possibly genetically bring to the table. So that's my rant. <laughs> that's your dream. There, you, you answered it. So don't say you don't have a dream because that's the dream. Yes, I guess. And to be happy and putter in my garden and yeah. swim. That's, yeah, I got it. I'm living the dream. <laughs> we're here we're living it's the yeah, we're here we're in it to win it yeah <laughs> absolutely do you have anything else for me uh yeah oh we're getting we're running up on a hour and Are 17 you? minutes chicky oh hey look at that we're let's do two time. more questions each okay uh, and then we'll wrap it up so my next one is do 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 that means it's let's two see. more hours of us <laughs> it's our show, out. and not yours. <laughs> we'll talk however long we want to. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Who would you bring back from the dead? Oh, wow. Ah, uh, who would I bring back from the dead? Wow. Um. You mean like in a like a. Frankenstein kind of way. <laughs> well, I mean, that's really violent, but okay. <laughs> well, hey, did I, what if did you I... could just wave a wand? They would... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking you to put pieces together. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. Just, you know, if you could be like, oh, I wish he was still alive or she was still alive or they were still alive. Um, you know, I think it would be a really, really cool, uh, uh, a really, really cool person to bring back to talk to would be uh, Ram Das. Do you know who he is? No. He's a yoga philosopher. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, I think that he would be he would be pretty pretty cool guy to bring back and get his take on 
things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think that probably would be my, you know, my, even though I wouldn't want to disturb someone from their forever slumber, (laughs) um, but yeah, if I had the chance, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's my answer. My answer is no one, no one. I'm not, I don't know. That's no, no necromancy. No. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I think that would be a tough one. Um, I think it's, you know, if you could spend the day with somebody in, in it'd be Tesla. Yeah. Oh, Nikola. Yeah. I like Tesla. I'd like me some Nikola Tesla. Yeah. I've got questions. Yeah. <laughs> 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 questions. That's why right. I'm going to be talking my classes about frequency and I talk about energy and, and I say, well, you know, Tesla, and I get the blank mm-hmm. and I'm like, please tell me. You, know you mean the know. band? <laughs> no, now I get, oh, you mean the car? And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, no, is that the guy that invented the car? No, no, no. <laughs> it hurts awesome. my heart. Yeah. And that's how we lose our history, folks. Yep. So Stories and myths of, are important to share Absolutely. with the young ones. So are yeah. you an introvert or an extrovert? <laughs> Believe it or not, I am an extreme introvert. Uh, and I people will do not read. Yeah, people don't realize that this is a carefully um, created persona that I use to teach and to talk to people. And I have practiced it for so long that I, I'm pretty comfortable. But man, when it's time to um, end the conversation and or go home from a show or a seminar or whatever, I literally have to put myself in a very small space and have everything quiet just so I can de-stress. Um, I would much rather stay at home uh, and walk around my house naked than go out or do anything. If I have to put on pants, I don't know what's going to happen. It makes me upset. I, I just <laughs> it's hot. Last, I just said that last night to John. I came home from being out with the girls and everything, and I came home, and first thing is right in the bathroom, take my hair off, take my oh. off, take everything off. Get away. Out, yes. Literally in just a big old t-shirt and my Birkenstocks. And, yeah. and he goes, do you want to go get sushi? And I'm like, oh, now I got to put on pants. No, you go. I would love sushi. Go ahead and go get it and bring it back. Yeah, like, the older I get, the less I want to wear clothing. It's so true. <laughs> like I understand the nude beaches and the nude places that yeah. all the people are just wandering around with yep. their clothes off or whatever. I don't want to visit there, but I understand. No. Yeah. No one wants to wear clothes. Clothes are stupid. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I just want to be cozy, comfy yeah. and at my home, have my dogs, my cats and it's hang out here with all my stuff. <laughs> so uh, was that two more? Are we good? No, we got two more, two more each. Oh, two more each. Uh-huh. So uh, what's a typical day for you like? A typical day. I don't have a typical day. Um, I'm at the point in my career and my life that uh, my days are very um, eclectic. I, I have a very strange schedule. Um, I'm busy most of the time, but when I groom, I groom in the salon, but I usually leave there for about 12. Then I come home and do any paperwork, computer work. I check on my students, grade papers. Um, I, I have a garden out back that I tend to. Um, and of course the, 
housework chores and play with the dogs and this, that, and the other. But I, there's a million other errands. That's like a grooming day. A non-grooming day could be going somewhere and filming something or taking classes myself, uh, running errands for my husband. Um, just, I guess that um, takes up most of my time. And of course, learning uh, new ways to deliver herbs. Uh, I'm in the process of perfecting how to deliver. Uh, the word of thumb, uh, the rule of thumb is it doesn't matter how you take herbs as long as you take them. You can take them in the tincture. You can smear them on you so they soak through your skin. Uh, you can do a suppository. You could, yeah, I mean, there's like a ton of other things. Right now, I am trying to perfect um, a mineral, no, uh, uh, magnesium oil lotion. So not only do you have to make the brine correctly, but you also have to get your fats and your emulsifier correct so that they will balance each other out and come out with the the lotion type uh, that you want so far i did good but it's a little grainy uh and it's a little thick it's a little bit thicker than i had wanted so i've got to remelt that and see if i can't learn how to fix that but um i'm not trying to make products but i do want to be aware of how those things can be delivered because eventually when i make those kits for people i'm going to either provide them with a base uh to put the herbs in and the minerals uh or uh they have to have a commercial base uh, like a pack from eve saint bernard or their conditioner yes anita suppositories 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 i'm looking at that laughing with that little emoji face uh -huh. so suppositories especially for women are not just rectally um, if you have fibroids or if you have endometriosis or very hard periods, sometimes the easiest and best way to get the, the herbs to the issue is uh, vaginally suppository. Um, and I'm here to tell you, uh, they work really good. I've got endometriosis and I am on the tail end of menopause, but I bleed like a teenager. <laughs> and I have found uh, several formulas to really ease that time of the month and suppositories even though they sound really gross they're no different than putting in a tampon or you know whatever whatever uh, and i think they're a valuable way to deliver that particular treatment uh, or support to women um, when they're going through that time so mastering the the foundation of those concoctions i think is really important as an herbalist uh, as well as a formulator on the fly uh, so, um, like if you're at your salon and you need to make something to send home for your client, you know, you need to know what those ratios are between your conditioner and the oils and the minerals and the herbs that you're using so that you can give that to them so they can help uh, support their dog's immune system in between therapies. So I'm learning how to do those foundational things so that I can either show you or should you purchase that for me, you will have that nice base to then put your treatments into and support that animal. So that's my point. That's my point in learning all that. So do you have one for me? Yes. What advice would you give to the novice? Don't take it personal. Oh, that's a good one. That's great advice. I'm good. I'm good with advice yeah. <laughs> because I lived through all of it. So now yeah. I know what to, <laughs> what to say. 
don't take it personally. When the customer doesn't like your haircut, you know, they, oh, this is crooked or this, can you do that? Or it doesn't look like Mary Sue who did it, you know, the time before or. Um, now that's a groomer. <laughs> yeah. Your mother yeah. says, now that's a groomer. You know, <laughs> don't take it personally. I took it personally enough to make it motivate me. You know, mm -hmm. and that's that's what I mean when don't take it personally. Don't be like, oh, I just don't even care. No care about it. But mm -hmm. up your game a little bit. See, I always look at I always look at advice or I always look at criticism, whether it's constructive or whether somebody's saying it to be mean or hurtful because people right. can be crappy. And um, and we talk about this in um, one of the other uh episodes that we have uh in the can already the yeah. fact that people tend to be crappy towards me sometimes so um so i really had to take that to heart and not not let somebody's words just not wear them like a yoke around me all the time that weigh you down how how can i be better what can I do better? If I already know I did my best, then I know I did my best and I have to be happy with that. So right. don't take everything so personally. Um, I, I tell clients all the time, I may not be the groomer for you. And they get upset mm -hmm. because they don't understand what that means. But mm -hmm. basically, it's like anything else. You're, you need to find that person that works well with you and your pet because it yes. should be a synergistic blend of the two of you and that pet in the middle being able to create a care plan for that animal. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even the veterinarian is involved in that. Mm -hmm. um, but don't take that so personally that you just give up or what I feel is wasted energy, which is just get angry about it and mm -hmm. get flippant or um, want to just be like, that lady doesn't know anything she's talking about, blah, 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 blah. She very well might not. She may not. <laughs> she, very, she very well may be absolutely insane. I mean, I've had clients show me pictures of, of haircuts and then be like, this is what I want. Like We just had this happen. One of the girls I work with, Katie, her client showed her a picture of a Shih Tzu and she was like, this is what I want. Way more teddy bear head on my dog. She had a Yorkie mix. Mm -hmm. Two totally different head shapes. And that will never look like what you think it will like, look like yeah. ever. <laughs> so it's like, she just is like, the lady was kind of like, you really, I don't understand why you don't, you can't do this. I don't understand what's wrong with you as a groomer, you know? don't take it personally. A lot of times they just don't get what we do. And I, if somebody has the audacity to come up and throw shade at you directly to your face and say it more power to them, but it tells me more about them than it says anything about me. Mm -hmm. That's always my, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I don't yeah, know business about well you're not a real groomer you've only been grooming for six months oh, everybody God. started somewhere everybody yep. had to do their very first dog at one time or another you don't weren't born with a brush in your hand no nope. well maybe some daughters of some of the winners yes but i'm just saying <laughs> you know everybody has to start somewhere so so what if you've only groomed for three months i think what i want to what i would tell a novice is 
there are so many salons that are hiring. Yeah. There are that there's no reason to stay in a salon where you feel, feel terrible. If you feel like they're putting you down, they're not helping you, they're not training you, give them a two week notice, get a job somewhere else. Right. Exactly. Do you think right? to go? Nobody in the grooming industry, uh, I'm well, there's always an exception, but most of the people in, in the business owners in the grooming industry know that there are salons that just don't suit everyone. Right. And that's fine. You know, sometimes there's nothing even wrong. You just don't, you clash personality wise for whatever reason. And that's fine too. Find your tribe. Hop, do salon hopping. Uh, just go and try out for, at a bunch of shops, you know, and talk to the owners, talk to the other people that work there. Are they happy? Are the dogs calm? You know, does it look clean? Does it look like somewhere you want to work? Or is it stinky and disgusting and they're yelling across the, the room and throwing brushes at each other and, you know, jerking the dogs around? You know, you don't want to be in that environment. You, you know when you're in a quality environment or not. And uh, don't give up. Don't let one salon experience or one mobile experience or one home call uh, experience uh, sour you against working with animals if that's your dream to do so. Yeah. There are plenty of us out here who are nurturing and loving yeah. and care and want you to succeed and will help you and work for you uh, until you get where you want to be. Uh, there's plenty of us out here. And um, it seems like in the moment there's only mean people, but there's a lot of nice people too. A lot of nice people who would love for you to be the next generation of groomers. And I, I have to honestly say shift your perspective also. I mean, while money is obviously the main goal of a job, is to earn a living, but make the money be the byproduct of the good work. So right. don't put that don't put that money ahead of your morals, ahead of your standards, mm -hmm. ahead of uh, the things that you know you feel in your soul that just are not right practices or not right ways to operate as as a, a, a pet care person. Um, you know, a professional groomer or a professional bather or a trainer or whatever it is. Um, you have to stand up for yourself and make sure that while we want to get paid, mama always wants to get paid, <laughs> but I have to feel like I'm doing good work that I'm right. putting good out there. And that is, that is not the only reward, but that is part of the reward. Money is an energetic exchange. Mm -hmm. So if I'm putting myself, my blood, sweat, tears, my heart into what I'm doing, that, that monetary gain is a part of that energy exchange from that other person um, right. to utilize my skills and my service. But don't do it at the expense of I'm doing this because I need that paycheck. There are plenty mm -hmm. as, as a pet groomer, we're still in a deficit. And mm -hmm. so we need groomers desperately. Right. And so you can write your own ticket. And the only way that we can make a difference in this industry is when we start to stand up and band together and say, mm -hmm hey, that's not cool. You know, we shouldn't be doing this or we shouldn't be rolling up towels and beating dogs on the head with them. Um, you know, like all the things. And um, 
as you start to say your truth, other people will start to band with you and be like, hey, come with me. And that's how you get those places, those mobile companies, those salons, the house call, whatever, where these groomers flock together mm-hmm. because they have a common goal, which is the well-being. They're actually advocates for the animal and right. for themselves. So, all right, I'll get off my soapbox. All right. So I think it's that time. I think it's over that time. But <laughs> All right. Of the tea, where we talk about everything holistic in the grooming industry. Uh, the next time you see us uh, and hear us, we will be talking about water. All the important things about water. So, yep. Melissa. Michelle. Let's, Mayor. Let's, let's go ahead and talk together. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I hope to see you again. I hope to hear from you again. And may your next sip be just as delicious as your last sip. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.